everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and we've just been uh, watching the motorsports Christmas weekend, which is usually a Christmas day, but got extended this year. Uh, and in fact, it's still going on as we speak, as the uh, Xfinity race is in its second half. As we were recording this, we didn't feel like waiting until that was over to record this. We'll maybe be going long enough that the results will be done by the end of this. Who knows? But Jordan, it's been a very long weekend. Um, we already did, uh, myself and Nate Ryan did the Indy 500 version of this podcast uh, because obviously they were on different days this year. So if you're interested in hearing about the Indy 500, that is in the teardown feed, just one episode back. Check that out if you want. This one is going to be all about the Coca-Cola 600. You are there, Jordan. How are you doing? I am well. That was a heck of a race. That was a really good 600-mile race at Charlotte. And we've had two of them in a row now after a stretch where there was a lot of questions like, is this race necessary? Why is this This is so long and, and excessive? Like, this is back-to-back years where this race is, has delivered. That was pretty cool to see. So this race was almost five hours long, and yet I thought it was way more watchable than some of the shorter five. Uh, you know, th- there's a then some six hundreds that aren't even you know four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one year I think uh, maybe the one that uh, Truex dominated or something like that. Like I three hundred ninety two laps on a four hundred. Yeah, I mean that race I, that could have been two hours and it still would have been less entertaining than this five hour race. So, um, there was a lot of cautions, obviously 16 cautions and a lot of lead changes, 31 lead changes, which was the same amount as last year. Last year there was 18 cautions in in that crazy bonkers race. But you know, somebody, somebody messaged me earlier today and, and when I was tweeting about the cautions, they're like, well, is that, does that make it good or bad to me? It depends on the type of cautions because the cautions we saw tonight were drivers on the edge, losing it, making mistakes often by themselves. And it gave the impression, well, this is really hard to drive. This is really hard. And you know, some of the best drivers were making mistakes when that happens to me, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm not Mm -hmm. like, this is too much. This is, Oh no, what a clown show. They're just running into each other. No, this is like, Hey, they're trying to go for it. They're trying to go all out. And this track is just hard with this car. Uh, it's, it's hard to handle. It's hard to control. And, um, yeah, right. Like you said, I mean, this, this race had a lot of similarities to last year's race. And uh, like, again, both of them were good as, as you mentioned. So, uh, Coke 600 is definitely in a sweet spot right now. And again, without this car, I don't think we can say that at all. No. And to your point about the cautions and how hard this is, I go back to Kansas. The last time you raced on a mile and a half racetrack, same thing. A lot of cautions in that race, but they weren't cautions that were on, I don't know, unnecessary is not the right term, but they were, they were, they were cautions that showed that these guys are on the edge and they're pushing really hard and that this is difficult to do. That's what you want to see because for too long, we, we heard it like there wasn't a lot of cautions. This looked easy. The cars stuck through the corner. They're easy to control. Like these cars are out of control. When you've got a guy like Kevin Harvick, who's one of the best out there at getting everything he can out of his race car and doesn't make mistakes and he makes a mistake like that tells you like how hard this is. And Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, another example. Absolutely. You know, Tyler, I mean, when this goes on, like, this was really, this was good to see. And the other big takeaway I had from this, we really don't know anything <laughs> because coming into this weekend, we've talked a lot about how Ford is, is not good on intermediate tracks and how they're behind Chevrolet and Toyota. And their only chances of getting a win is really on the super speedways. And Ryan Blaney can't win. And what's wrong with Blaney? What's wrong with Ford? What's wrong with Penske overall? Guess what? <laughs> Like Blaney comes out and had led the most laps and had a really, it was a factor all race and Ford looked really good. And this, we know nothing. We know absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. I mean, Blaney would not have been one of the, probably my top 10 picks to win this race. I mean, for sure. He hadn't won since August, 2021. Um, And as you mentioned, Penske as a whole, Ford as a whole, um, it seemed down. Um, and yet, and it's not like, I mean, you could look at the results and say, well, I mean, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, 
they all finished 30th or lower. You know, had they been up there, maybe it's a different race, but Blaney still led 163 laps. Like you said, he led the most laps. He was so. in the he was in top five. I would love to see his average running position. I don't have it in front of me, but he had to be in the top five all race. Yeah, no, I mean, he was third in the first stage. He finished fifth in the second stage. He won the third stage and he won the race. So yeah, he was up, he was up there all day. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, and look, we, we've seen this kind of performance from, from Blaney before, but he doesn't close it out. And I mean, I think this was, I think they had mentioned on the broadcast, like 11 previous times he had led at least a hundred laps in his career and hadn't won any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he finally closes one out. Um, and really drama free. I mean, there was really no, he pulled away from Byron at the end there. And, um, you know, it, I, I thought coming in this weekend that I thought it was going to be, uh, Byron was going to win. Um, I thought maybe Larson would run second. I thought it was going to be those two Hendrick drivers and, um, they were up there for a little bit, but I mean, I, yeah, you, I, I just don't think we saw the Blaney thing coming. Um, however, you know, you, you step back and you look now. Hey, Ross Chastain has a bad day. We'll talk about that. I don't know why that happened, but he finishes 22nd and that completely changes the points picture because he had a decent little lead. Now Blaney is within one point of the points lead. So all the stuff about, well, you know, they're, they're not, they're off or whatever. They're not, I mean, he's getting it done in in some form, right? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Blaney's average running position tonight, by the way, I just looked third. That tells you just, you know, that I would have never got. And I agree. Like, coming to this race, the four drivers I would have picked would have been Byron, Larson, Hamlin, Truex. And then would have run to that out probably with the other guy, probably the 2311 drivers and Bowman and Elliott, you know, the usual suspect. I would not have had any of the Penske guys. I would, maybe Harvick would have been my only four driver that would have been thought about maybe picking. I just, there's no confidence right now in that. And really, Ford in general, but specifically Team Penske, they just have not had the speed and this this was probably the best race for ryan blaney beginning to end that he's ever had like we've seen moments from ryan blaney we've had really dominant races led stages led laps and then for whatever reason it, he doesn't win but i am hard pressed off the top of my head on a non-super speedway let's you know specifically like where he from beginning to end uh was a factor all day this was really really impressive yeah, and I mean, as he said, he didn't his he didn't make any mistakes. His team didn't make any mistakes. Like they just did what they were supposed to do, and they got themselves in position. I mean, Byron had that great pit stall advantage all day, and he kept picking yeah. up positions and positions, even though he he didn't seem to have like sort of the winning car because he kept falling back, and then he that's why he had to gain the position. Yeah, so he was often, a short right? run, he was a short run car. Like he was good for yeah. like a couple three four laps, but then once everybody kind of got going, he was you were able to kind of run him down, but you know, sometimes in these races, that's all that matters is short runs. And, you know, Blaney admits afterwards right there on TV, getting pretty emotional. Like, Hey, you know, the self doubt creeps in when you don't win for a while. And, um, I know you asked him about it in the press conference and you, you have a story coming out on that as well. But, um, I mean, you could tell like this was, this seemed like as much of a relief, um, in some ways as anything, because it's like, all right, like, yes, we can do it. You know, we, we, we were getting it done again after all this time. Um, you know, obviously he was very happy, but it's like, you know, they, they really needed this. They really uh, needed this to get their season on the right path again and get that confidence again. Yeah. You, you have to, it's like, you almost have to sort of reminder, like you can prove to people like, Hey, we can win because it's been so long. There's going to be that doubt. And you're kind of the, um, yeah, you really don't have to worry about him at the end of the race. Something is going to happen, you know, like it happened at Vegas last year, like it happened at Homestead, and that was the wrap on Blaney. You can't. Not only can you not close out, you're probably going to do something self-inflicted to cost yourself a win, and that was that was. I, I think that's a fair wrap. Like that's that's the reality because if you go back in his even in 2021, like there was mistakes at at Kansas that year that cost him a really, really good finish, which would have effectively put him in the championship form. And this is a driver who it feels like on a near, I know I I say this because I feel like I pick him for a championship for every year. Like every year it's like, oh, this is the year he's going to finally crack it, it, you know, crack, break through it and and break break in. And he just hasn't done it. And you're kind of just waiting and waiting and waiting. And 
you, you need to have that race. He needed this. It's not a must win, but like this was big. This was so big for so many reasons. Well, and then you have people like, you know, uh, Kyle Petty on Nate Ryan's uh, NASCAR and NBC podcast, uh, maybe what about a month ago or so now where he says, look, I mean, Ryan Blaney is, is Casey Kane. I'm sorry. Like he just hasn't lived up his, to his potential. And, um, I, I don't think that was an unfair thing to say. I mean, Casey Kane won some races, but he never, everybody thought he was going to have more. And I think that's what people have thought about Blaney too. Like everybody sort of keeps waiting. Like, well, when's Blaney going to sort of live up to what we, what we think? Um, this is a great first step, right? I mean, he's got that crown jewel for yep. one thing and that's big. I mean, we, we often look at, at driver's careers. I mean, in the, uh, the 75 greatest driver's project cup drivers project that we did different from NASCAR's version, but before the season, ours is better. Well, ours was cup only. And, and we, a, a lot of that weight when we're looking at that and ranking them and stuff and looking at their highlights, we're looking at the crown jewel wins. We're looking at sure championships, but not everybody can win a championship. We're looking at in modern day, you know, final four appearances, but not everybody can even do that necessarily. So how else, you know, total wins, sure. But like what really stands out is if you can win crown jewel races where everybody's bringing their best stuff. And, um, you know, so for him to go do that and, uh, especially, I mean, you know, on a weekend where Penske has just won the Indy 500 and this gives them the sweep. I mean, I'm sure Penske's going to look very favorably upon him for this, you know? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I just a lot of positives for Blaney. We know he's in the playoffs now. Um, and he's going to have a shot at the regular season championship as well. Yeah. So a uh, great way to start the second half of the regular season for him, for sure. It is. And it's, we've been waiting for this. And 2021, when he won three races, which was the first time he had ever won multiple races of a season, that felt like his kind of coming out party, like his long overdue coming out party. And Kyle Petty's comments were, I, I think, fair. I mean, they're very fair. Because it feels like the talent's there. Like, he's a guy who can win on just about any kind of track. He, you know, he has the ability. And when your teammates are winning races uh, by the bunches and winning championships, like, it's fair to ask, why aren't you doing the same? And, you know, he, he had a great, great 2022. I think that gets lost because he didn't win a race. And, you know, maybe if he had – Things that played out a little bit differently. He he could have been celebrating at Phoenix in the championship, but it didn't work out that way. And now let's see where he builds off of this because this this needs to be the beginning and not just kind of a, a, a blip. So Jordan, um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, the Dover race, you know, it it gets pushed to uh, a Monday, which pushed it to mm-hmm. May first. So put okay. this into this month of May, and our podcast. We said uh, in that Dover podcast, we said, oh, this is going to be the statement month because now that this, we can, we can lump Dover into May as well. So we said, look, we're, we're going to see Dover, Kansas, Darlington, Charlotte, you yep. know, North Wilkesboro, a different situation, obviously short track and worn out. But those four races, we thought that is really going to show strength because at the time in April, late April, drivers were saying, hey, when we get to Dover, that's when you're going to start to see stuff. So. Um, before this podcast started, I was able to pull up thanks to racing reference, quickly updating, uh, the results and their great fantasy tool there. I pulled the last four races. I have all the stats here. So, um, now if you're looking at the statement month, the clear winner by far was William Byron. No surprise. Um, he ended up outpointing Ryan Blaney would have been second in points for this month. Uh, but he ends up outpointing Ryan Blaney by almost 30 points, and that's the next closest driver. R- William Byron this month, in this statement month that we talked about, had four top fives. Mm. Um, and, you know, he won one of those, but uh, pretty impressive. He goes fourth at Dover, third at Kansas, he wins Darlington, and then second at the 600. So, you know, I, I, I'm still sort of leaning toward Byron. You know, we say we don't really know anything, but I still feel like Byron, we can look at him and go, yep, he's, he's yep. having the season. I think that we think he's having now on the other side of that, you know, and we've talked about this, uh, you know, as recently as last week, um, when Larson won at, at North Wilkesboro, but Larson ended this month, 18th in the points for this month. Uh, he only had one, uh, top 10 because he's, he has results like 
like we saw tonight, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and they, they, they have the speed to win every week, but they just don't always, something happens at times it seems like. So just when we thought, Oh, maybe the North Wilkesboro thing is going to show like, Oh, you know, Larson is really now on it again. And maybe he's going to hit his stride. Now we see another inconsistent finish because he finished 30th. Um, so behind, so we, so I said Byron is first, then Blaney. Truex had the third most points. Um, he ends this month with three top fives. Do you want to guess who's fourth? What's your, what's your, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm talking about Tyler Reddick. Oh, no, 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 Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace, that's right. Bubba Wallace uh, is had the fourth most points of anybody this month. Three top fives in those four races. And he's the one in Talladega. Are we, no, Talladega's not counted, are they? No, it's no. not. No. Mm-hmm. No. no. So, um, yeah, no, the one where he, he went, um, let me see here. Oh, it was he had the twelfth at Dover. So yep. then he goes fourth at Kansas, fifth at Darlington, fourth at Charlotte. So, um, you know they're they're looking certainly a lot better. Um, Hamlin, despite wrecking out tonight, had the fifth most points. Here's another surprising name: the sixth most points this month, Chris Busher. Yep, three top tens this month. Oh. Then you go Harvick, Kozlowski, Chastain, the points leader, only had the ninth most points. Yeah. Um, then Reddick. So anyway, I just thought I'd sort of share that since we had set up that the month and uh, now to go back and, and see uh, what we think, but still a lot to be decided, obviously. I mean, you know, but uh, I, I still feel like it, despite, yes, I, you know, okay. We, I think the Ford thing definitely surprised me and I still don't know what to make of that and, and Blaney in general, but um, I still feel like w- what we are thinking is the trends this season are, is still leaning that, that way after this month. I got a hype. I got a question for you. Just off the top of my head, if I was to give you Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., and you get those four drivers to win the championship, and I get the field, would you take that bet? So tell me again. You're yeah. not putting Chastain in that. I am not putting Chastain. It's it's two Gibbs drivers: Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex mm-hmm. Jr., two Hendrick drivers: Kyle Larson, William Byron. You get those four drivers. To win the championship, I get the other field. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would lean toward those being my final four, basically. So, I think so too. I think, I think so. Yeah, I think those are still the, you know, I, I Bell Bell at times seems yeah. like he has something, but I need to see more though. I, yeah, I'm not seeing a, like tonight they they led laps, but then they got mired and they got back and never recovered. Um, Chase Elliott's average finish um, before going into tonight, Chase Elliott's average finish was 10th, which is very, very good. Um, but again, he's not leading laps, not winning stages, not hasn't won a race yet. And now there's other questions about him, what we're going to probably get to. Um, Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace are both running very, very well, but I like those four guys. I mean, those are the four guys. If you're asking me the championship favorites, like, I think I'm putting those four guys in, in that top in there, you know, top four spots in some order. And then below them, I throw Blaney Reddick. I'd probably throw Logano in there just because of respect and just the fact that come the playoffs that this team figures out a way. So I, I just think it's going to be really tough. I, I just right now where things stand, those four guys seem like they've really in this month have, have separated themselves from everyone else. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting battle um, sort of for, for the points championship now because uh, the top six drivers in points, now again, with Chastain having a bad night, um, the top six drivers in points are only separated by uh, 17 points total. Bell is is six in points, and he's, he's 17 out uh, of the championship. So, I mean, there's going to be quite a scramble between Chastain, Blaney, Byron, Harvick, Truex, and Bell. And again, Larson, we, we feel like is a name that needs to be up there. Uh, but he's 11th in points because yeah. of the inconsistency. So now let's talk about Chastain real quick. What, what, what happened? I don't know. I mean, bad I mean, night. this, this should have been a track that Mono we usually see him in the yeah. mix. Like he's, if he's in the mix, he's in contention, he's running well, or you know, running in the top five or a top 10, like they didn't have, they were off. They just did not have the speed. 
I don't know. And I, I guess the question has to be asked, and maybe this is way too big of a leap, and it's really hard to take too much takeaways from the All-Star race, but he was a complete non-factor there. In the two races we've had since Darlington, where, and then in the, in the aftermath where Rick Hendrick calls him out and Justin Marks says that, hey, I'm going to kind of pull the reins back on him a little bit. He's been a non-factor. Maybe that's just a coincidence. Maybe there's other th- It's just, I don't know. But I think that was the risk that you say when you when you go public like that and you say you're going to pull the reins back on him and you tone it down a little bit. Is he dialing it back too much? Yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's tough to say, right? Because yeah. these two races, one being the all-star race, I don't think it's enough for us to tell yet that it's a trend. But I certainly think it's something to watch Right. Like if your ears perk up. Right. And, and, you know, you would think he'd be able to go run well gateway. So if he has another quiet race there and then Sonoma going into the off week, that, that should be a track where Mm -hmm. he should be in contention for the win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very weird. It's just so, I mean, he was in contention all that he was the story all the time. And then all of a sudden, like you said, they, they come out and say, well, you know, we've got to, we got to pull the, you know, he's being too aggressive. We got to, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden he just like disappears sort of. It's, that's ah, very odd. Which, I don't know. Which to me goes back to, and we've talked about this is like, if you're Justin Marks, I don't even think I make those comments because even if there is no correlation of the lack of performance last two weeks and what was said, like there's still people going to be drawing that line. And all you're doing now is opening doors to, to people questioning of what's going on. Why did you know, are you holding him back instead of something else being the true answer? And I just, it was just unnecessary and you created something that didn't need to be there. And um, it'll be interesting. I mean, again, this may be as much to do about nothing, but this was a race. This is a style of track that he has done very, very well on. And to get, I don't think he got any stage points tonight. And that's that's very rare for him to do that because the reason he was the points leader this year, because yes, the finishes are inconsistent, but he was the points leader because he was running in stages so well and winning stages and finishing up there. And he didn't do that at all tonight. Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, um, let's see. So after Darlington, despite the high-profile incident that that was, uh, he had a 27 point lead. So he coughed up 26 points of his points lead right there. And we know that's going to be super valuable for playoff points, 15 playoff points, to the regular season champion that's worth three wins. Um, so I'm sure this was just not a good all around night for them at all, but just, yeah, I, I just, um, I mean, you'd rather be answering questions about why you wrecked going for the win than, Hey, what happened to your speed? How come you guys aren't mm-hmm. running well now again? I do think it's too much of a leap uh, at this point, but I, I do. I also think it's worth watching and, and, you know, little note, note to ourselves, keep an eye on it, but um, just odd, just odd, just to happen that quickly. Now, should we talk about Chase Elliott? He's good. He's got to be suspended, right? Well, let's talk about it. Let's just talk through it. So, my interpretation of the incident is pretty straightforward. Hamlin had seemingly walled him a couple times. You know, they had contact, whatever, you know, there was some three wide, whatever, uh, Hamlin, let's say Hamlin is completely at fault and walls him or whatever. I still don't think there's any circumstance in which you can retaliate by right rearing someone on a straightaway at a mile and a half track based on the precedent that we saw last year, just last fall with Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson. Now, a couple things. So some people say, well, Bubba chased Larson all the way down the track to get that done. Whereas Elliot just immediately, he went straight for a moment and then he decided to hook him and wreck him. I don't really think that's a difference at all. You personally, I, I think you right rear somebody on straightaway. That's unacceptable. NASCAR has said, and, and by the way, I saw some other people on Twitter. Well, part of the Bubba thing last year was what, that he went, he walked all the way down and then pushed Larson. No, and that was not it at all. That was not it at all. And that had factored not at all into anything that NASCAR ruled. 
NASCAR said that afterwards. Yeah. O'Donnell said that. Yes. He said, no, that this was for the right rearing someone on straightaway. Now, there was a question also of was Keselowski, did Keselowski get into Elliot that got him? Now, I, I see the, I see everybody. I see your screenshots, everybody. <laughs> El, I think Keselowski got into Elliot moments after, uh, Elliot turned into, to Hamlin. Yeah. I've watched the replay over and over. There's, there's gifts yeah. of it, whatever. Elliot hits the wall. He goes straight for a second and then he turns Hamlin. He wrecks him. It's retaliation. It's blatant. I do not buy, of course, at all his explanation that, well, once you hit the wall on these things, you can't drive it anymore. We saw multiple times tonight, Christopher Bell, Brad Kozlowski, Eric, Eric Almarola, Tyler Reddick. Yeah. They hit the wall pretty hard. They were fine. And they kept going. So I don't buy that, well, you hit the wall and then all of a sudden you can't drive and you just suddenly veer completely left into somebody. Also, let's say let's say for a moment that that did happen, that his car broke, the tow link broke, whatever, and he veered into him. Well, to me, your reaction would be like this. You know what? I was really mad at Denny. He walled me twice. And I know what this looks like. I know it looks like retaliation. You would be emphatic about this. Right. I did not intend to do that. My car broke. I know how bad it looks, but trust me, I would never want to tear up my stuff, somebody else's stuff. I would absolutely not do that. And look, again, I know how it looks, but that's not my intention at all. But his interview wasn't like that at all. No, no, no. That was a driver who knew he had to be very careful about what he said because anything he said was going to be used against him in the court right. of NASCAR law. And you, you make a great point. Like if he didn't mean to do that, you were standing on top of the mountain shouting, my fault, I'm sorry, I hope he's okay. Didn't mean to do that. Oh my God, I you hope he's okay. I'm sorry to those guys. My fault, you know, all of those things. You'd be on social media posting things. You, you would be owning it left and right. You'd be falling on the sword. There's none of that. None I, of that. I agree with you. I agree with you. Even if you were mad at the person, just yeah. because tearing up equipment, yeah. if you didn't mean to, is yeah. like the next level for a driver. So, And especially at, at, when you know you could have, at a mile and a racetrack with the speeds, head on into the wall, the, the safety risk, and all of that stuff. Like, you are you know what that means and you're you want to make sure that you care about you want to make sure that you express the the sympathy for him and make sure his well-being is you know he's okay yeah so look i get why elliot would say that of course we've seen the precedent they have to say that nascar's put to. them in this box where they have to say that thanks to the denny fine they cannot I wouldn't all... say that i would say honestly i don't even think it's the denny fine i think it's what happened last fall with bubba knowing that NASCAR suspended sure. the driver. For that's this. fair. That's and totally I, fair. Yeah. So that's totally fair. I agree. So anyway, that was my interpretation. What, what is your, I mean, I agree. I mean, like the evidence is even before Denny tweeted out the SMT date and everything else, like it was, I thought Clint Boyer did a really good job of breaking it down in the Fox broadcast. And I think Tony Stewart did as well. Like they were pretty clear cut. Like they showed it. I mean, he, they went back to it too later after sort of the, some of the social media outcry, they went back to it and said, now let's look at this again. This is what Mm -hmm. happened. Look it, he hits him before Keselowski hit him. They showed it all. I mean, it's, and and also I don't think you need, if, if you look, I'm not trying to insult anybody who feels differently than me. Cause I know I've seen enough people on Twitter that I know there's a sizable number of people who didn't agree with my interpretation of this incident. However, I would argue that if you've watched racing for a while, you don't need any SMT data to, to determine what happened there. No, that I didn't. Is, I could see it as clear right. as day. Like, and I don't, you know, yeah. I mean, did he go? He did not do what Bubba did and go down the racetrack as many lanes and clip um, Denny. It doesn't matter. He intentionally turned in left and hooked the driver on the racetrack at a part of the racetrack where you're, you're carrying speed. And put them at risk on a mile and a half racetrack. To me, that's all there is. Like it doesn't matter 
when you do that, when you turn left and hook a driver in that situation on a style track like this, you're that's it's you you get what's coming to you, and that's a that should be a one race suspension. Deserve. And by the way, by the way, we are not. This is you could name driver A and driver B, and we you go back what and listen is? to our podcast from Vegas last year. We immediately said Bubba must be suspended. Yeah. We, he's going to get suspended. You can't do that. No, you can't do what he did to Larson. And it doesn't matter. We're we're not. It doesn't matter the drivers that, that, that act of we we've decided NASCAR has decided this is the collectively the industry. Everybody said, this is a dangerous thing. You can't do this. This is a, uh, an era of heightened safety concerns with this car as well. And you don't just give somebody a tremendous hit like that. Now, I also saw fans on Twitter who were saying, well, what's he supposed to do? Denny walls him twice or Denny walled him, whatever. What's he supposed to do? Not okay, turn intentionally well, into him and, and crash him on a mile and a half racetrack. Be my first chase him down and maybe door him door or him. try to try to bump him up into the fence or something like that. But to the whole thing about right rearing somebody, which gives them a head on impact into the wall that everybody has decided that is collectively not okay. Yeah. Therefore, if NASCAR is going to be consistent, there's only the only thing they can do is suspend them. If, if they do anything else, I don't see how I'm going to be very confused. I I'm going to be very confused if, if, don't if they see. say, well, you know what, uh, nah, that that's, that's not going to, I just don't think that's going to go well. The, the press has been set and it wasn't set that long ago. And right. the circumstances are very similar. Mile and a half racetrack off a of turn four driver turns left and hooks a competitor because he got I, run into the wall. Because he got run into the wall. Like there are, it's, to me, this is very clear cut. And I wrote about this when the penalties came out against Hendrick initially earlier this year. Like there is a belief in the garage that Hendrick gets away with things that other teams don't. And I already had a, somebody in the, in the garage tell me like, man, if they don't suspend Chase, like, you know, like, you know, that's just going to be NASCAR letting Hendrick go. And it's like, you don't want that perception to be out there, but that is. And, I uh, I think they will. I, I think they will. I think they know they have to, and I, I don't expect them to do anything less than than issue a one race suspension. I will also say um, before, we, I, and I do want to touch on that that decision and the implications of of Chase's decision as well. But I want to touch for touch on for a minute why you know what. Let me try to think about why people would want to defend that or deny deny that intent there first of all okay like because you know you you could say oh my gosh like how can you not see that how it's so it seems so obvious because to me it seems so obvious but if you're a chase fan now obviously look some chase fans are going to go yeah no he he did do that but some of the ones who are trying to come up with all these various you know twisted sort of logic to to make it justify it or whatever well, why, why would they do that, right? Are they seeing something else? I, I don't even think it's that. I think it's that if you're a fan of somebody and part of that is you are invested in their actions, you're invested in, hey, like their their personality and how they conduct themselves and, and you sort of want them to do the right thing because you don't want the person you're rooting for to, you know, like I, I really like Damian Lillard on the Portland Trailblazers, right? If, if Damian Lillard uh, got in trouble for something or did something that was unsportsmanlike or whatever, it'd be like, oh, man, I hate that because like, that's sort of like my guy, right? So I, putting myself in Chase Elliott fans' shoes, they're like, well, he wouldn't do that. He's, he was justified to do that. No, he, that, that, no, there was a reason that happened. No, he got hit from behind by Keselowski, and that's how it happened. No, his car broke. That's how it happened. So I get why people would want to come up with reasons. Respectfully, I just don't. I just don't think that that's accurate. I, I think he lost his cool and, and turned him. Wait, wait a second. You're telling me that fans sometimes have a warped perception of reality of when their favorite team or driver or player does something wrong. Well, I, I'm just noting no. that to, in you know, I think the reaction is the tendency is when when you know, there's a divisive thing on social media or whatever. You, you just think the other 
people, you know, people will call the other side idiots or well, how can you use a moron, whatever, right? Um, so I'm just trying to say, well, why, why, what are some of the reasons why they would not feel the same way about this that I do? I feel like I'm looking at it objectively. Obviously, some people disagree, but um, many people disagree. I got some. That made me want to lock my. I love how you guys explain like fandom though. Like this is sports fandom though, man. Okay, well, I mean, I I just wanted to sort of. I was just trying to give a little head nod to the the Chase fans out there who are screaming at us right now. It's your favorite driver. It's fine, but like that's take off the nine goggles for a minute. And this was a really bad choice, really really bad decision. And there should be consequences for this, and we will find out. Tomorrow or Wednesday, likely that uh, what that is. Now let's talk about the implications of this, Jordan. Going into the weekend, uh, I believe so. The qualifying, uh, the bullpen, the media bullpen was rained out. Um, so you guys had like a Zoom with some of the top drivers, including Chase. Now I saw a clip from Bob on the Zoom where Bob is basically asking Chase, like, you know, you're actually not that far out of the points. Like you're like 60 something out. I think, I think that was the number. Um, and chase was like, Oh, you know, that's, that could be doable in 13 races. Sure. Especially when you're averaging a 10th place finish. Right. And now, you know, chase said, well, it's not going to change my plan. Like I still just, I, I need to win. And if you're not going to be winning races, you're not going to have good playoffs anyway, because you're not going to have playoff points. And you're not going to be in contention for the title, but you know, a moment like this where, Hey, like William Byron, uh, Kyle Larson was going to, until his mistake, he was going to have a top five, top three run, um, to give yourself a, a 34th place finish that chase did and leave with three points. Um, that's, that's not good. Number one. I mean, you don't know what would have happened late. I mean, maybe chase gets up there and in, in contention for the win. We don't know. But number two, this decision, let's say it, it does result in a suspension and he's out for gateway. Well, you just gave yourself one less race mm-hmm. that you have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And now you're going and it's like, okay, now we really have to win even more. Um, it's just, you know, for, for uh, a veteran type guy that I think Chase is a veteran at this point, not such a young guy. You know, he's, he's always been sort of wise beyond his years and, and mature, um, I just, uh, this, this just didn't seem great. Just, it didn't seem like a great moment for him. This was not the most auspicious time to do something like this because it now kind of feels like it does eliminate that outside possibility of, of making on points. And I, and I think that was a long shot because that, that, that benchmark is going to move. Guys are going to win races that, you know, there's going to be surprises, that kind of thing. And that was going to be hard to do. And you're going to have, you're going to have races too, where you just don't run well or things happen. But now you have, like you said, you have one less race. Now you can win. And when you look at the performance between the five and the 24 versus really the nine, and I would throw the 48 in there to some degree, though, that's, it's hard to do that because of, you know, Alex is just coming back. Like it, there is definitely a, a, a schism there, right? The nine isn't doing what the 24 and the five are doing. He's not leading a bunch of laps. He's not winning stages. He's not winning races. There really isn't anything about what Chase has done since he's returned. It says he, this is a guy who's going to run off a bunch of wins. Now, to his credit, it can change like that, you know, And but it hasn't so far. And I say this because every single year it feels like, and I think this is probably true, there's always at least one or two drivers that don't win races that you don't excuse, that you, that completely blow us on the water, right? A year ago. No one would have thought for a second that Martin Truex Jr., who almost won the championship the year before, or Ryan Blaine were going to both go winless. Well, they both did. We've seen Jimmy Johnson do it. Um, we, we have seen it before where guys just have these years where, whatever reason, it doesn't happen. And I'm not saying that's the case with Chase Elliott, but until he wins a race, he certainly falls into that category of possibly that guy. And, you know, there's a lot of, t- there's a lot of races left, a lot of good tracks, and I mean, at the end of the day, I think he wins the race, but it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's just unnecessary. It's just unnecessary. And it's also an unnecessary distraction and everything that this entitles. And while it's not going to 
blemish his his career forever. It is a pot mark on it. Like if you get suspended a race, like that's something that you're that's on your record, right? And that's that's you don't want that. You know, I mean, to your point, just looking at you know he missed those six races, and even through that whole time, we kept saying. Look, he's going to win. He's going to win a race. He, as well as Hendricks running, as well as, you know, yeah. we know he can win anytime. And I still, like you said, I still think he's probably going to win. But the more time that goes on now and the fewer the races get, it becomes like, well, it goes from he's he's going to win to like, well, he has to win. And like, okay, now he's really, really got to win and as mm-hmm. it ticks down. And you don't want to get in. I mean, look, he's got road courses coming up, but road courses this year are not as easy. I mean, Reddick's really good now. Um, you know, I, I think he's got to beat his teammates, his own teammates, Larson, Byron. There's slugfests um, where chaos happens around you and you get caught up in it and it's not easy to, to Paul Dinger's going to be out for, out for blood in these. Oh, absolutely. He's going to, Cindric too. Yeah. He's cause he's having a bad, you know, sophomore year. Yep. Um, but yeah, like to your point. So, you know, Chase came back at Martinsville, so he's now been back for um, as many races as he was out. He's been back for six races. Um, let's see. Since he's back, he's been back. He's led a total of 29 laps, if yep. I'm looking at this correctly. 29 laps. He led 18 laps to Talladega, um, five at Kansas, six tonight before the crash. So, you know, again, it's just... Uh, They've got to find something else, um, and and if he's going to be out now, it's just not uh, not going to be great. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and of course, maybe Denny finds himself in another position where he's yeah. going to have to pay somebody back or vow payback or something. Now, I would so. say that Denny Ham was another guy too who went winless recently. You know, in two thousand eighteen, he went. Who's a guy that you always think is going to win races and didn't win a race, which completely surprised everybody. So. You just don't know. You always get those surprises, and maybe Chase is the year this year. And we'll see. It'll be interesting. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, this is going to be a blip. But man, like you make a good point too about Denny. Like Denny's got a long memory, and Denny's kind of in that give zero bleep mode of like, if you screw me over, I'm going to come out looking for you. And he was pretty fired up after Chase. Like, I mean, after, it, you know, understandably so. So it'll be interesting to see how he approaches this. You know, like. Maybe he isn't. Maybe if Chase is in position to win a race, Denny's going to do what he can to, you know, prevent him from happening. Yeah, it, it's not going to be out of the question. Although, better not say it on your podcast. That's no, all. No, 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 don't say it on your podcast. Big lesson here. Yeah. So um, let's see what else from tonight um, jumped out at you in terms of uh, the racing or results. Um, Harvick, Harvick Perfect. goes. Second to 30th, uh, back up to being in contention, um, ultimately finishes 11th, but it was like, what, what an up and down day for that, that team. He just, he just impresses me so much. He and Rodney Childers, like what they do, we sit here and talk about how Ford doesn't have this and Stuart Haas racing is, you know, struggling. And it's like, they don't make excuses. I mean, everybody knows what they're dealing with, but they just go out there. And they're they're freaking third in points coming into tonight. Like it's they just do it. Like that is the definition. You want to know like a team that's gritty? Like this is it. Like they just figure out a way every single week to to get the best finish absolutely possible. It is so impressive. And you can't help but wonder, like, if they could just figure out they could find more speed in their race car, if Ford can give them more cars, Stuart Haas can get their act together, whatever that is. Like Kevin Harvick's final season could be pretty darn special. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of a shame where it just seems like a down year for the organization, for the manufacturer, and he's going to go out, you know, sort of with one hand tied behind his back, trying to win these races, mm-hmm. trying That's to exactly do one what, less. What? I was going to say, that is exactly what a Ford crew chief told me today. Uh, it was like, it's like, it feels like we have one arm tied behind our back most weeks. And then they won. By the end, and Blaney won though, but like you yeah. know, no, but I'm saying a Ford yeah, won. The Ford did, yeah, yeah. So, um, Bubba too, by the way, three straight top fives, which is so impressive. Like, and that was a team yeah. That- I mean, both both twenty three eleven cars get a top five. Yeah. Um, now, interesting that Alex Bowman um, 
look, I mean, you know, you could say he's, he returned from a broken back, but I mean, his back is still healing. Like he's, he's racing with it, but it's not like he's all healed up. I mean, he had to endure 600 miles, uh, and he finished 12th and in the process, it was a good enough finish that he moved into the number 16 spot, um, in the playoffs and on points. So, I mean, that, that just shows you what a good, I mean, cause remember he, he was really hot fire far up in the points before his injury and the points but, penalty. what's that and the points penalty. Oh, that's right. 60, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, um, so, you know, you're like, well, you know, he once he comes back though, um, from missing the races, he's going to, he's going to have to win because you can't miss what three races. Did he miss three races? Yeah, three, races three races plus all-star three races plus the all-star race. Yep. So three points races, three points races. You can't miss three points races and just make the playoffs on points. No way. But yeah. he comes back and he's immediately back in the playoffs on points. Um, he, that's he's had, yeah. Yeah. He's had a really I mean, great year. Like before he got hurt, uh, I think Elliot, Elliot passed him now an average finish, but he was leading an average finish this year coming into tonight or second in average finish behind Elliot tonight. Like he wasn't blowing people's doors off like his teammates were, but he was just doing what he needed to do. And it doesn't seem like he missed a beat and everything and good for him. Now, I don't think they have the same speed in their race car as the five and the 24, but if you can keep doing this every single week, it doesn't matter. You're going to get the playoffs. And that's, it's really impressive um, that he's still in this position. It also speaks to the fact that when he was out, the guys that he's now racing with for the playoff, that last kind of final playoff spot or two or, they did not take advantage at all. And they, they left the door open and that's, I think it's going to hurt them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the other part of it, right? Like the, the bottom of the playoff bubble, sort of like the, the chase Briscoe type area. I think Briscoe was the one he passed in points tonight. Um, yeah, they, they just haven't been able to, to find the consistency they need. Just looked it up. And after the, the Coke 600 now, uh, Bowman does have the best average finish, um, in the cup series this season, 10.5 Blaney is next with an 11.7. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's having a good year. People don't talk about Bowman, but, uh, he's there. Yep. It's got to win though. I mean, got to win. That's the thing. Like you, when you've got teammates like Byron and, and Larson, who've got multiple wins. And I think we both expect them to continue to accrue wins. Like you, you gotta win that. You gotta win races. Yep. Um, so Zane Smith, um, he, I was like, ah, I don't love this strategy. He stays out on 14 lap older tires and everybody else restarts P one only car to stay out. And it's like, well, this is, I mean, cause remember he was driving for, for front row tonight, which booted, uh, Todd Gillen to Rick Ware racing. And, um, no, you know what? It ends up working. Um, and he was able to, to, you know, salvage a, a great night, a 10th place finish top 10 for Zane Smith in his, in the 600. Yeah. So, um, that's an, that's a pretty good run for him. Uh, Austin Dillon, who's had just a miserable season. It feels like, um, he gets a ninth place run. Um, another good run, you know, Busher Stenhouse Stenhouse is up there all night. In the top 10. Too. Like both RFK cars tonight were running really, really, yeah, well. was running really, really well. And then got caught up in that, that incident. And it's unfortunate because he had a, he had a couple Keselowski had a couple things that yeah. ruined his night. It felt like, but yeah, he, fin- he, he had the speed for sure to, to probably run in the top five. Yeah. Um, it felt like, and he ends up finishing 19th, which is a bummer for him. But, um, yeah, it never really felt like it never really felt like, like Logano got up there. Um, no, he had just a bad night. Yeah. The initial on pit road too. They lost track position, never got it back. And yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, priest priest ended up, I mean, for, for what, how the Stuart Haas car started off as well. Priest ended up 13th. So that's, yeah. that's the weird thing. Like we were talking about this during the race, like, you know, Oh, so-and-so is not running well. And it's like, I really try hard not to make, there, there seems to be like almost two races, you know, you got the first half of this race, is kind of running daylight. And then that second half is run at night and then there's attrition and everything. So it's really hard to kind of, so-and-so is terrible, but then so-and-so leaves, you know, with a top 10 finish. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you kind of got to, you kind of got to wait to, 
I'm I'm guilty of this of uh, making rash judgments about guys like oh my god this guy's having a bad night and then oh by the way he, he left the ring and finished so it's an interesting thing Zane Smith uh, continues to impress man like he's I'm gonna write about it this week on the Athletic um, he's there's a lot of people impressed with him and he's gonna be someone to watch in the free agency this year because who uh, is this are you having your big free agent uh, look story this week your annual this is the, this is the week oh. Always, always right around Charlotte time, huh? There's, there's, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> okay, I like well, this that. Is, this is, this is when all the, uh, this is when things really start to get in motion, and really now with three consecutive races in the in the Charlotte area, like it's, there's all these conversations have been ongoing, and I'll be honest with you, it, this is going to sound a little weird, like front row and what front row decides to do is going to have a huge domino effect, uh, potentially on everything else because they basically. I'm kind of summarizing here, but they have three drivers, Todd Gillen and Michael McDowell and Zane Smith, who they really like. Zane's the only one under contract right now, but they only have two cup rides and they're not going to expand to a third cup team. So there's only going to be two drivers for those spots who they let go or, you know, or who decides to leave or whatever reason um, is going to have options. And if that ends up being Zane and our team comes along and says, Hey, we want to buy out Zane's contract because we like him. Um, that's, it's going to be something to watch and where he ends up. And I think if that happens, it would be a four team that, that does it. Jordan, I think it's time for the, was a good race poll because I'm about to fall asleep. Oh, no offense. On, fine. We, don't, we should keep them in the Xfinity race. Let's just do this. We could do like a mystery science theater 3000 thing and just do like live commentary in the race. There's still, t- as we speak right now, there's still 22 laps to go in the Xfinity race, okay. which means that who knows there could be a, 10 cautions or something and make us go another hour or something. I I'm, Oh, I tell you what normally. So I have a lot of been, inappropriate jokes I could be making right now. I'm just not going to do it. It's, it's been great the last few years. I'll be honest because you know, I get up at the crack of dawn for Indy 500, get up at 4am, get to the track, you know, around five, something, make sure I'm there for the, yeah, the opening, the cannon fire at oh, six. Yeah. Oh, the cannon. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. If you're not there by the cannon, I know. you're in traffic. Yeah, I know. So our our colleague, our poor colleague, Bob Kravitz of the, of, uh, he, he does the Indy coverage for us, uh, Indianapolis coverage. He was at the race. He said he left, uh, he made the mistake of, of leaving his house, I think yesterday morning for the Indy 500 at 7.30 a.m. And he said he sat in over two hours of traffic. Ooh, um, you got to get him a police escort, man. Yeah. So um, that's why I get there early. Oh, I would, I know, I know. You know, the, anyway. The cannon's um, overrated, by the way. I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I know you haven't been to the Indy 500 in a few years. Cannon's way better now. Roger Penske up the cannon and he added fireworks. I hate fireworks. Fireworks are stupid. Are you just trolling? Are you just no, trolling? I'm serious. They do nothing for me. Add There's another something. thing to your hate list. What are we up to like, now? Oh, cool. What What do you like? What do I like? I like you. You're my friend. I like you. Oh. You, I like you good hate children. You hate Christmas. Yeah. You hate fireworks. Wasn't there something you else hated recently? There's a long list. Ugh. So much fireworks hate in the world, Jordan. Fireworks are silly, especially at 6 a.m. Like, come on. Anyway. Um. So what I was trying to say was that I've, I've kind of enjoyed the 600 the last few years because by the time I get done writing at yeah. Indy and I leave the track, I'm exhausted, but it's usually like stage two is like already over the 600. Yeah. So I get back uh, and I get in front of the TV and I watch like maybe part of stage three and stage four and I see all the sort of like the good part, the crazy part, whatever. Um, this year I had to, get up early for my flight home. Um, and then we have this, I mean, I know you're at the track, so I feel worse for you, but Mm -hmm. you know, the delayed Xfinity race, the Xfinity race supposed to run this morning gets delayed and delayed. Then they have to run it after a cup and then the whole 600 and now still going on. What is it? It's almost midnight there. That's 1120. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, I mean, if I, I leave was, here before 1 a.m., I'll be shocked. Well, at least you're at least you're going home. 
So anyway, uh, can we just do the was it a good race poll? If I think no, can we just keep talking and run this out? Oh, nobody wants to listen to this at this point. Anyway, I'm I'm fading. I'm telling you. Cranky Krabby Jeff is my favorite. I'm not cranky. I'm just, I don't have anything for you. You get cranky when you don't don't get sleep. So that's the road we're going to go down. So, um, you know, last week we did a, uh, we showed our guesses at the same time for Wilkesboro. And I, we were both way off. Yeah. Way off. I said it was going to, we, we both thought it was going to stink and we completely underestimated how much people were going to pump it up just because it was I tried to sell that and you, you, you blasted me for that. That's not true. We had pieces of paper and we showed them at the same time. I understand but I said, I explained my answer and I said, I think people are going to like focus on the the North Wilkesboro stuff and be back here and all all the good vibes. And you were like, no, racing is going to override all that. You influenced my answer. Yeah, I do. I didn't influence your answer. You, we wrote it down on a piece of paper at the same time. We didn't said that before actually. And it influenced going into it, the preamble. (laughs) Anyway, you won. Can we talk about the, Oh, go ahead. I don't like the fact too. Another thing I don't like that the Coca-Cola 600 has four stages. Drives me crazy. Why? Because this race now is the most important regular season race on the schedule because there's more points offered in this race than any other one. It shouldn't be that way. I I thought that when it first they first started doing it, but I mean, who cares at this point? They've been doing it that way for like what five years or something. It doesn't more. mean it's the know. right way. It doesn't mean they can't change it. What, are they going to change it now? They should They'll be like, ah, you know what? Yeah, After we- these several years of doing it this way. Now we're going to go back to yeah, only we three realized stages. That we, screwed, we realized that we just, you know. You want 200-mile stages? Yeah. I would, I would, Those are like just, entire races. I, that's that's the thing. When you have a 600-mile race, you're going to you're gonna have to make some compromises. Anyway, um, <laughs> you get to go first for the All right. for the poll. The, would you like race? to know? Would you like yeah. to know what last year's? was because I think it's a comparable race. Yeah. I believe it was 90.6 last Ooh. year for the 600. Oh. Uh, Is that higher than you thought? No, no. I mean, it's kind of what I thought it was. Uh, I knew it was high. I'm just, I don't know if this one matched it, though. I was going to say, I thought it was going to be somewhere in the 80s, so I was going to be closer than I was. I'm going to say 83. Oh. I think it's going to be higher than that. I do. Why? Okay. Why do you think? Why? What, explain I mean, your it, reasoning. Why so low? Blaney, it wasn't. I mean, it was a it was a fine finish. The racing was great. It just it wasn't like a barn burner finish. Blaney was comfortably ahead. Um, it didn't have like oh my, you know, one of those holy cow moments. I don't think in the grand. I think, you know, years down the road when you look at this race, the biggest takeaway is going to be you know the Chase Elliott Denny Hamlin thing. It's not going to be like last year. You had so many wild crazy things that happen that you can point at and um this year just kind of lacked that a little bit just kind of lacked that oh that wow moment so i'm gonna say 83 all right i I think it's gonna be higher i was gonna say 87 i am sort of thinking of like what would be the reasons where somebody would say no um i just don't see a lot of reasons where somebody would watch that and go nah that wasn't good i didn't like that because of x well, if you're a Chase uh, Elliott fan, I can really think of a reason. <laughs> well, it wasn't like he was taken out. He that was part of it. I mean, he took himself out essentially. Well, I guess they don't think that. Oh no, 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 Jeff, no, no. Brad got into him. Right, right. You're right. And then he didn't have control of his car because he hit the wall and things broke. Right. That's right. I forgot. So yeah, I, I'll say uh, I'll say eighty-seven, and you say eighty-three, and yeah. Good race, though. Um, I mean, really, really good race. This oh was, yeah, absolutely. Was, Way better than perfectly acceptable. It was a good race. Oh, this was this was a very, very good race. I was yeah. very happy with this. Okay, so as since you're trying to kill time, as there's eight laps to go in the Xfinity race. See? Now, so, and I think Dale Jr. was the one that brought this up on Twitter. Um, we we talked about this, I think, after the Roval last year. Oh, it's yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, so should there be no Roval? Put two races on the Charlotte Oval now with the, with the racing being this good on the if Oval. If I'm Marcus Smith, I'm announcing tomorrow our playoff race is going to be on the Oval, and we're getting rid of the Roval. Like it's just not. 
I, and I like the role. I, 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 I'm not like some people who think it's a parking lot and it's, you know, it's manufactured. Like, I think it's a good race. I think it's entertaining. I think it delivers more often than not. It's, you know, but I just look at the action you've had in the mile and a half racetrack right. last year, this year, and really intermediates in general with this car going back to Kansas and other races. Like, this is good stuff, man. This is really, really good stuff. Give me a 400-mile playoff race on the Charlotte Oval with a lot yeah. on the line. Oof. Hell yeah. With the way the racing is right now in the Ovals. Race. This would be a cutoff, a cutoff race too. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, give me that. And the added pressure of, of you know, this is in, Char in Charlotte. Everybody's here. All your sponsors are here. Like, I, I just think this would have been – this, 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 that would be what people want. That's what gets people excited. And if your idea is to give people events and, and get people buzzing, like the Roval has kind of fallen off a little bit. So go back to the, to, to the, to the Oval. Why not? Well, listen, listen, the Roval was much needed when there was only two road courses that, that gave everybody a third road course. Now there's what? And one in the playoffs road. too. Right, right. So I almost feel the same way as I do about the Indy road course where, so as NASCAR is looking for different places to go and a lot of the roadblocks I run into is, well, there's already so many road courses. We could go to potentially some different markets or something. Um, say like a Portland where the Xfinity races go, the Xfinity series is going next week and that would get them into the Pacific Northwest say, right. I'm just, I'm just speculating on places where they could go, but it's like, well, they, the cup already has so many road courses. You can't really add more road courses, but if you take away like the the brickyard and turn that into uh the oval again or which you take away the year. roval which could happen yeah it's um going again. um you take away the roval and you know you turn that back into oval all of a sudden you say well wait a minute now we have a couple more slots on our schedule for um oval for uh, road course type stuff sure. and maybe that's that's the way you get into new markets maybe it's a different street race somewhere whatever but that, that opens it up and it doesn't oversaturate it by taking some of those off. So, and I think right now that that's a great trade. Who wants more short tracks right now with this package? Nobody. Um, but more intermediate tracks. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing I will say is you take the roval off, you lose the road, the only road course in the playoffs. I would like a road course in the, playoffs. you can figure something else out. I, I don't disagree. I don't know what that answer is though, because, um, you look at date equity. I really like where Sonoma's at. They've made that, you know, they made it work in June. Watkins Glen in August is, is perfect. Maybe that, you know, Indy is off the table. I don't know what that answer is. And you can't run Coda in the fall because that's Formula One time, you know. So I, I don't know what that answer is, but your point, like you go to a new market, maybe that's the selling point. We're going to a new market, come watch a playoff race here. You know, who knows? But I, I do want to make sure you have a road course in the playoffs because I do think that is important to have, you know, a representation of all of the different tracks on the schedule in the playoffs. That's a good point, though, about Coda, because I was about to say, well, you could you could move Texas to where Coda is now and then you could put Coda um, in the fall. But like you said, I mean, that's that's right next to the F1 date um, unless you want to run it. <laughs> try to do like a companion-ish type thing with F1, like run it the week before, the week after or something, whatever, all the stuff's still set up there. Um, by the way, race over, Justin Allgaier just won by eight seconds, it looks like, over John Hunter Nemechek. 900 miles of Charlotte is complete. Ty Gibbs uh, did all but, um, I think, two laps Justin Haley, I don't know where where did he finish in the in the six hundred? He like he finished on the lead lap of. Um, oh, Justin Haley finished all the laps. Yeah, fifteenth, four hundred laps. Junior Motorsports' yeah. first win of the year, by the way, first win of the season, I should say. Wow, how about that? Yeah. Worth staying up for for them. I enjoyed. All it. right, so um, yeah. Anyway, next week it's uh, Xfinity in Portland, Cup at Gateway. We will both be home at our respective houses because uh, I'm in a wedding. Ugh. So on Saturday, so open bar, uh, open bar. I don't know. That's a good question. I'll, f okay. I'll get back to you on that. Uh, that's important. Do you like weddings? You hate weddings. Weddings are great. If they have an open bar. Oh, Oh, only if there's an open bar. 
Uh-huh. You just want the more. free booze. Yeah. Not going to lie about that. Yeah. Okay. Makes it a lot more tolerable. I'll tell you that right now. For somebody that never wants to get married, no. you like weddings. Well, that's who, whatever, whoever is trying to loop you into getting married to them just needs to offer you like, well, Hey Jordan, like we could get married, but you know, like, no, no, I'm never getting married. No, we'll have an open bar at our wedding sold. I can, I'm tr- I like weddings because it's a great way to meet new friends. <laughs> oh, oh my God, this guy. Well, on that note, everybody, <laughs> on that note, we'll leave our Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, wedding crashers friend behind. And uh, we'll wedding, say goodbye until I'm sure you did crash a wedding, Jordan. I'm, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, anyway, everybody, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time when we have more energy on the Terror.